Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Guys, I have with me today student and new grad career coach Brad Minton. He is a therapist turned career coach and a certified resume writer who has worked with teens and young adults for over 16 years through roles in mental health, education, and higher ed career services. He is the founder of Mint to Be Career, where he provides one-on-one coaching and resume writing for young job seekers. Brad is passionate about helping students, new grads, and young adults to define their authentic brand and land positions that align with their values and their purpose. He's also the co-host of the Your Career GPS podcast. Um, Brad, thank you so much for coming on. I've followed you for a while now, and I love how you are helping young people to get started on the right foot. Thank you so much, Virginia. And um, the affection is mutual. (laughs) I've definitely followed you for quite some time, and it's so great to finally connect. So you heard me give that quick overview of what you do, um, but tell me a little bit about how you how you came to launch your own company and sort of figure out that, that you wanted to, to help this niche of people. Yeah, so you know, I think it's it's pretty helpful to kind of start from the beginning. My career started with sort of this central mission of just wanting to help people. I think uh, you know uh, most people find themselves with sort of this embedded thing in their fabric that they just know is there. And I, I've just always been a helper. You know, I was always the, yeah. the you know, teacher's pet. I was always the one uh, <laughs> participating, you know, asking classmates, what do they need? Um, you know, can I, can I do something for you? Um, that was just always part of who I am. And so I knew I wanted to, to help and give back in some way with my career too. Um, it was just a matter of, of how about doing it. Yeah. And I got exposed as a teenager to um, to mental health, um, you know, when I was going through some difficult times in, in my own personal life. And, you know, that had um, that certainly shaped me. It shaped my family and uh, some of the things that we were going through at the time. And and I said, wow, I mean, what a what a positive impact to make on the world and how amazing would that be, you know, to be to launch my own career as as a therapist. And so, yeah. You know, I, I ventured out and uh, I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a therapist. And so I went to school, um, uh, got my bachelor's and my master's um, in uh, community counseling and uh, started my career and and really just kind of took it as an opportunity to learn and, 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 and really kind of figure out you know, how I want to work and who I want to work with. And I was really a, just a sponge and just soaking up opportunities to, to figure that out. So I worked in, uh, I did some in-home therapy, uh, uh, residential treatment, outpatient counseling. I worked with, Ooh, all um, settings. oh my goodness. I literally every, every type of person under the sun, <laughs> you know, that you can imagine I have probably encountered at, at some point yeah. in time. You know, um, regardless of uh, age, socioeconomic status, uh, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation. I mean, literally, you name it, I've, I've worked with them. And okay. it gave me a, a great opportunity to see what I really liked. And one of the things that I just noticed 
in my journey of, of working in those different capacities is I love future conversations. I love talking about what's next. I love talking about things that are going to happen tomorrow. And I really just didn't enjoy talking about what happened yesterday um, nearly as much. And so that was kind of a turning point where I was like, where do, where do I get that? And where do I have the opportunities to really think about that? And, and, and I also noticed that I enjoyed working with kids. I enjoyed working with teens in particular mm-hmm. and young adults um, where, you know, the world is their oyster and they have so many things that they can do with their lives and, and they're full of optimism and, and big dreams and hopes. And, and I just loved um, and, and I picked up on that, too. And so I said, you know what, maybe education uh, is the realm for me where I have an opportunity to have those future conversations and and work with this type of population. And so I actually um, kind of stumbled into to higher education um, through a chance encounter. It's the benefit of networking, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just happened to, to meet somebody one day who said, hey, we have a job opportunity for a counselor at a community college. And I was like, okay, that's, that's pretty neat. Oh, that's unique. I like it. Um, and seven years later, you know, I was still working there because I just fell in love with it. And through that position, it exposed me to um, career development. And I was uh, I actually started teaching courses in career decision making. I was working with students on a consistent basis, kind of carving out their education and career plans. And I just fell in love with that work and that population. I just I, I, I was sunk in. I knew that was for me. So over the next couple of years, I worked in. Um, two different other higher education institutions. And then most recently took a little bit of a career pivot. And now I work with an intermediate school district as a post-secondary success navigator, where I'm helping recent high school graduates transition to the next stage of life. um, If that means um, higher education, uh, community college, apprenticeship programs, trade schools, military, no matter what it is, I'm I'm helping them navigate that first year. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but it sounds like you and I sort of had at one point similar aspirations. I have my master's in social work and I specialized in adolescent medicine. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. So I ended up, but um, yeah, I, so I, my pivot went a little bit differently, but it sort of sounds like we all, we both came around full circle, but now we're both in uh, careers. It's so interesting. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I um, am so happy to have you on because as I said before the show, I um, I tend to work with more senior job seekers, but mm-hmm. so many of them have kids. And I feel like this, you know, high schoolers and college kids are really struggling with well, high schoolers to figure out, is college for me? Is it not? If it mm-hmm. is, where, what should I major in? And, and then college kids don't always, you know, they get their majors, but they are often lacking in the tools that they need to to do an effective job search and and i'm hoping that you and i could have a discussion to just talk through some pointers and some highlights to help help parents to better guide their children oh yes absolutely you're right you're right there's there's no shortage of challenges (laughs) yeah and so much of this isn't intuitive and so your guidance Mm -hmm. i know is so beneficial um, so are there a couple of sort of common or major challenges that you see facing soon to be new grads in today's job market? And I was thinking of new grads with when I was first thinking about this question, I was thinking of it within the context of college, but 
It mm-hmm. could be in terms of whatever avenue they've explored, whether it's trade school or otherwise. Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually wrote down a, a few different notes of, of things that make a lot of sense, but I'm going to throw in one additional one that, uh, as we're kind of talking about, it makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense, particularly now. I think one challenge is really <clears throat> breaking free of an old mentality that still exists. In, and um, And I think a lot of it really has to do with how quickly things change. We kind of live in in a world now um, that is technology driven. And as such, things move so fast. And, um, you know, how things really innovate and evolve and, and adapt just happens really on a, uh, on a minute to minute basis. I mean, it's so phenomenal how that works. So as such, one of the challenges that I do have is with, particularly with, uh, with, uh, millennials and Gen Z that I'm, I'm often working with is their parents grew up in a very different generation. Um, their parents grew up in a generation where things, um, could be more consistent over time and that, that change maybe happened a little bit slower. Um, and that's not to say that's a good or a bad thing in any way. It's just to say it's, it was a, it was a different time. And so, and I'm experiencing this now as a parent, I'm, you know, uh, I'm what you would call a, uh, uh, an older millennial. So I'm, I'm certainly seeing it. You could sort of, pick a course and know that you, you, you could look at your career options and know they would probably be that those career right. options would still be in existence five, seven years ago. And and that is not the case. New jobs are coming up all the time. And right. Right. A hundred percent. And so one of the things that, um, that I really have to do with the students that I'm working with is really break apart these myths that, you know, your your choice of the career that you decide to take on is not terminal and you're you're probably going to have multiple careers over the 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 course of your life and you know because they they want to treat it like it's this huge decision that's going to impact the rest of their lives and it's not it's really really not i mean just in in my life i've i've had three careers already and, uh, and older, right? Imagine how many they'll have. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And take the pressure off that decision when it's like, this is the decision for now. It's not the decision forever. Yeah, it, it, it can. It certainly can. And I think one of the things that, um, that does happen is, you know, when you, when you're able to really provide that, that data or, and, and really sh- cite examples of, of how that's, you know, impacted people, it certainly brings it to life a little bit more. But, uh, but again, I think there's just this unfortunate nature. It's, it's educators, it's administrators, it's parents yeah. that still kind of feed this, this narrative about, you know, you got to make the right choice. It's going to impact the rest of your life. And it's, it might be very subtle in terms of how that comes off, but it really adds on so much pressure that, okay, I, I got to launch my career the right way and I have to do it the right way. And, um, and it's really more of like, let's just, let's start figuring out what you're going to do tomorrow. And, <laughs> you know, let's take it a, you know, a step-by-step um, pro- process and, and to ease off um, this this enormous pressure that you got to do it the right way because you're going to evolve and you're going to experience so many things over the course of your career that are going to open new doors. And then the economy and technology are going to drive 
different advances and you're going to be exposed to new things because of those that you can't possibly predict predict so it's not important to have everything lined up. It, yeah things it, it it means you 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 might have more say in your career than maybe we and i did i mean i have made pivots but um the the opportunities came later like the internet wasn't even a thing when i first started working and so Mm -hmm. that all all those opportunities just weren't available and now people will have lots of choices and i guess Mm -hmm. it could be overwhelming but it's also sort of freeing i would think yeah it is so on the one hand it's Absolutely. It's empowering. You know, you have a lot of ownership and you can really create and mold and and adapt and evolve uh, to your liking based on your interests today. And then know that new opportunities are going to unveil themselves down the road. However, it does pose another challenge, which I think is really good to mention, which is that you are forced into this constant state of learning and constantly having to think a step ahead about what's going to happen tomorrow and how do I prepare myself for uh, the job market of tomorrow so I'm not expendable. And so, um, you you don't know what it's going to look like, right? Right. Young people today really do have have a serious challenge there, which is never getting complacent. You can't get complacent when things move at such a rapid pace and they're only going to continue that that trend. So they have to think about how do I continue to upskill and upskill and upskill and um, and, and keep learning so that I can make myself an asset. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, so are there aspects of, I guess, a flat out job search then once people have determined Mm-hmm. that where they want to go that catches them off guard. I mean, I, I think about in recent years, I've seen even older people think, well, I, you know, I have the degree. That's all I need. Mm-hmm. Or I have the certification. That's all I need. Um, <laughs> right. You get it. They will come. Is that still the case? Or are there other things that catch people off guard? Yeah, no, I, I agree right there that um, that's certainly one of the things that I, I really try to instill hard on the the students that I'm working with every day is that your degree is not going to be your meal ticket. You know, it's going to help, certainly, and it's going to provide you a wonderful foundation, but you cannot put all of your stock into that. The other thing in terms of... <clears throat> In terms of job search that I think is is really, really important that I see a lot of, of young people struggling with is really, really understanding how the job market works. And I think one of the things that they they think about, and this I think a lot has to do with the sort of abundance mindset, is you know, they've they've grown up in the age of the internet and they have information available to them all the time. So they mm-hmm. ass, so they assume um more is better. <laughs> and so quantity uh, is a good thing. But in this case, in, in terms of job search is the exact opposite. So quantity is not the end all be all. And it really doesn't mean anything. It's about quality. 
And so, you know, I, I, I have these conversations and I'm, I'm sure that you do. This is not exclusive just to young people, but they naturally assume that if I apply to 50 jobs or 100 jobs or 200 jobs and I'm doing it right, that um, if I just cast my net really, really wide, somebody's going to take a take a bite. And unfortunately, just, you know, they they don't have the success that way. It's it's really more on the quality aspect, what you're providing in terms of of value and how you can communicate that value. That's really going to be the attraction. So if you are really, really intentional about how you communicate your value to three people, as opposed to watering down a message to 300, you're going to be more successful with the three, right? Um, so that's a, that's a huge aspect that, that really kind of like, Oh, okay. I, I really have to change my approach here a little bit with how I go about doing this. So they, they really, uh, they're thrown off by that. And then I think the, the last point is that, um, I, I just have a lot of, um, conversations and, and, and even resistance sometimes to networking and how important networking is. And, and again, this is partly due to the the generational thing. You know, they're they're used to to communication in a very different manner than my generation um, and, and older generations. Um, it, it's you know, it's through text message. It's you know through these uh, social media and, and other virtual um, modalities, and yeah. they're, they're not used to to just having real conversations nearly as much. And I'm not saying that 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 is a general statement across the board, but it just takes them off guard. Oh yeah. I, I really need to have <laughs> some real conversations. Yeah. Well, it's interesting though, because I, to me that, that ease with having conversations through DM and text and Snapchat and all of that stuff gives them a slight advantage in terms of that initial social media networking where older adults might struggle with how do I, how do I make a relationship with someone on LinkedIn? And these guys have been doing it for a while. I mean, my kids have so many friends on discord I'm on Snapchat. I don't even know where to start. Um, now mm-hmm. getting it onto a real person that do a real conversation, that's a whole different story, but those initial conversations, mm-hmm. I think they have an ease there. It's an, it's it seems to be easier for them than it is for people of my generation. No, you're so right. And I think that's the, that's the thing is it's really about how to transform your communication from how it served you in a social sense to how it is going to serve you in a professional sense. And so, so those are just different, different ways of, of communicating, but you're absolutely right. Just being able to um, just being able to use the tools that are accessible today, they're, they're so savvy with that and they know exactly, um, you know, how to, how to, to get very, very accustomed, uh, to, to using those types of things. It's really just how do how do they go about doing it in a different way that's going to serve them, uh, in a job search or, or in a professional networking. Let's say someone comes to you and says, you know, getting ready to graduate, which, what is the one thing I need to do to get real, to get started job hunting? What would you say to them? I think one of the most important things right in the very beginning is really has to do with mindset. And it's really just kind of getting, getting your head in the game, right? And I think part of that is, 
kind of as we were talking about before is really just getting realistic on your expectations and really thinking about how to go about things um, strategically, but in a way that's also, um, you know, grounded in, um, in fact, and in practice, uh, what seems to be effective. And so one of the things that I often tell a lot of young people um, as they're just launching, just getting off into their careers is about the importance of building momentum, about baby steps, about just doing things in an incremental fashion to start feeling like you're you're progressing, start feeling like you're moving forward because they tend to want to do um, things either end of the spectrum, either they're in analysis paralysis and and feel like they have to do everything perfect and everything right. And I don't want to talk to anybody until I know exactly what I'm going to say and and get really, really held up and, and doing it, quote, the right way or the perfect way. And that leaves them in that place of stagnation or they want to go completely balls to the wall and just, you know, kind of do as we were saying and and spray and pray and, and, and send out as many communications and as many job applications and as many resumes as humanly possible. And so it's really just more of, of thinking about um, just getting, just really getting grounded with, let's just build some incremental momentum, right? That's how you start a snowball is you just kind of pack it from the from the very beginning and then you yeah you place it on the hill and it will pick up steam as you go but don't get so consumed with with feeling like you have to get everything right you know from the very beginning so i think i think that's an important step one i love that what about um so do you in terms of momentum and baby steps um that fine balance between analysis paralysis and spraying and praying is that mm-hmm. would a big, like, give me an example of a couple of baby steps that you think are good steps in the right direction. So I'm a huge fan of informational interviews. And so yeah. one of the, one of the very first things that I would say for any person starting out and particularly months before they need to start out is really start start building your network by conducting some informational interviews. It is amazing how a 15 to 30 minute conversation with somebody can really, really change your entire thought process about how to enter into a field. Um, but it's so beneficial because you're really giving yourself an opportunity to see a roadmap and to learn the success formula from somebody who's already done it. And so... Um, so it's a perfect opportunity uh, for that reason, but also to start building a network for yourself of maybe some people who could potentially find you opportunities, but also just be a mentor for you. Uh, I've had numerous examples of, of working with students. And when I really get them sold on this, on this idea of doing an informational interview, they're very reluctant in the beginning until they do it. And then they're like, oh my gosh, this was fantastic. I found out so much through this process. And then that person introduced me to three or four other people. And now I'm going to yeah. talk to them. And it's like, that's that's a really great you know, uh, way of kind of saying, 
that's how to start the snowball. It starts with one person, one connection. They introduce you now to three or four, and then you're off to the races. Well, I feel like people that are farther along in their career, so many of them really relish the opportunity to mentor and guide and share lessons learned and then are willing to go that extra step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And these, they're out there. They're out there all the time. And particularly for college students, as you're working with um, your career center, which I highly recommend because I used to work at one. <laughs> and when you're working with your career center, they have most universities have um, alumni associations. They have organizations to get you partnered with mentors. Um, so that that's just, I don't know, that's free money, I think, you know, just having an opportunity oh, yeah, 100%. To, to be around people that, that just know the path. I opened up my network to friends of mine's kids and said, go on my LinkedIn, see who you know. If there's someone I can introduce you to, I'm happy to do it. And right. um, led to lots of informational interviews. And then also and people reach out to me all the time for my undergrads. Right. So yes. It's very powerful. Uh, so you talked a little bit earlier about spraying and praying, um, you know, so which I take it to mean that a job search strategy that focuses heavily on applying online is mm-hmm. just as yields as poor of a ROI in entry level as it does when you're more senior. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that that is the case for all sorts of roles or are there certain industries where entry level candidates do tend to get hired more through applying online? You know, it's really, it's been my experience and my belief. Of course, I, I don't claim to be an expert in all industries, but it's certainly been my experience where given the time in the TLC to really, really, communicate a targeted message and really identify who you want to work for. I think that's, that's such a key important component that I I, I really try communicating a lot. And I think a lot of um, young people need to take an inventory of is is who do you want to work for? Because the, the companies and the organizations that inspire you that are, doing, you know, impactful work that, that just fires you up that you think about, man, I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to contribute in some way. It is so much easier to communicate your value to those employers because you care. Um, if you, if you are just sending an application to a company because they posted a job, it's not nearly as compelling because you're just kind of going, well, I'm, I'm just going to take what I can get. And, but you maybe don't have any sort of investment or stake in what they're doing. And so I think it's a really, really important filter to think about how do you want to contribute to that organization? And that's not to say that, you know, you come across a posted opening for, for a company that you didn't know about and it, it looks and sounds appealing. That happens all the time and that's, that's fine. But I would say start with the ones that you know definitively that you would want to work for. Recognize brands that, that are doing the type of work that you find inspiring and empowering because it's going to be so much easier to connect the dots of why you belong. 
makers and food companies want to know that you want to work for them. You know, mm-hmm. it's that's appealing to hire someone that really is excited and is lit up by the idea of what your company is all about versus one that says, oh, yeah, you know, I where the message comes across that I don't really know anything about your company. I post it on you post it <laughs> online and seem like a role I'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as a, I am sure that you see student resumes all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, are there some common errors that you see that making um, what, what are the sort of key information they need to include? Cause a lot of, you know, they're in a different situation than you and me or me. They don't have lots of jobs under their belts. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's um, it's very true. And I, I think there's really two, two things that happen a lot with, uh, with students. And again, I'm kind of talking about millennials. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Gen Z, uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, and even younger millennials too. But um, two things that tend to happen a lot, and I know this definitively because in my in my roles at um, in higher education, part of my role has been reviewing resumes for students, and so <laughs> I, sometimes I'd be looking at fifteen to twenty resumes a day. So uh, if I am seeing, you know, those types of patterns, I know it's going on. So I think two things are happening, one on a more aesthetic level and one on a more content level. Um, The first is that I see uh, students and graduates using the exact same template over and over and over and over and over again. So they're they're going hopping on Google and they're finding the the easiest quickly quickest template that they can find and and put their content in. And um and so one of the things that um that you and I know is that templates are not all created equal <laughs> and and so there's there's going to be some problematic things that happen a lot with with templates. Um so I think it's very, very important that uh, they really understand um, and, and develop the tools of, of how to create their own. And so they're not running into a, a situation where, you know, an employer is, is seeing the exact same thing over and over again. Because I know that if I'm seeing it in career services, the people who are doing the hiring are probably seeing it uh, even more. Because um, I, I could see the exact same template you know, five times out of 20 and uh, yeah. as an example. So, and then, uh, you know, the, the templates that are are really, really um, creative, they, they want to express their creativity with um, graphs and charts and mm-hmm. colors and pictures and all of these different things that are not um, really helping them from the content side of things. Um, you know, they're not ATS friendly, but they're also, problematic because they're taking up so much real estate for those things and they're not providing any value. And so I think that would be the other part of it, uh, which is the content. And I, I think from the, the student side, because maybe they feel that they don't have nearly as much value to add, they shortchange it a lot. And so they, they compensate with all of that <laughs> aesthetic appeal and, um, and and distract away from the, the fact that they think that they don't have anything to offer because they didn't, maybe they haven't had a professional job yet. But right. I, what, I, what I always try to remind them is what do you have? Maybe you've got course projects, you've done research, you've done volunteer experience, 
part-time jobs, work-study positions? How, how are the other ways that you've contributed to yourself or invested in yourself and your knowledge um, that might be theoretical at this point, but still adds value? And so I think that that's the other thing is they just tend to shortchange what they, what they bring to the table. I agree with that. And the theoretical learnings are super valuable. And, and so many times the universities give you the chance to practice through case studies, through papers, through group projects, through simulations. And mm-hmm. that stuff counts because it aligns with what you're probably targeting. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so I'm so glad you brought that up. And I'm really glad you brought up the challenges with a lot of these uh, templates the um, so many of them are fill in the blank and you you know when you do apply online many of them cannot be read online um or be read by the applicant tracking software systems and some of those ones that are on canva and places like that they're they're lovely but there's so little room to put the text in because the graphics take up so much space that you you end up really shortchanging the message. I think those are really, really good points. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. They look but, fantastic, by the way. I'm, I have nothing. Oh wrong yeah, with, no, they're they're stunning. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. It's <laughs> and and I don't know if this is university wide. Um, so two of my four kids both go to the same university, and mm-hmm. the one of them is in the business school, and they have a format that they demand you follow for you to put your information on their, on their job search portal. Mm-hmm. And it's the most God awful resume template. It's circa 1997. It drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I so know we, exactly so, what you're you know, talking like, about. Here's someone who will work. Here's someone we'll use when you're talking to your, to people in your network. Here's the one that you'll use if the university is not mad at you. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I just found that really interesting as well, because the good thing was that this older format allowed you to put content in, but it was, you had to print it out and read it really slowly. It was not designed for skim read. It wasn't designed for mobile reading or any of the ways that people Um, are consuming information now. mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So with COVID um, in the past year and a half, so many students you know, weren't able to secure internships. They weren't able to do a lot of the things that people would have normally done to be able to have stuff to put on their resume. What advice do you have for students to, that are facing that? You know, one of the, uh, one of the things that I think that is, is really, really important just as a reminder is that, everybody went through this last year and a half and and was impacted to some degree. So I I really think just, um, just really normalizing that and and just being okay with the fact that, you know, uh, unfortunately plans change for everybody and, and, you know, it it sucked. It really, really did for, for so many. And I, I empathize so much with the class of 2020 and the class of 2021. You know, I, just, I just can't even imagine, you know, trying to to deal with that. And um, but I, I do really still keep a lot of optimism that you know they they can rebound and they can find a way to navigate through it. And I think for the ones that are, you know, or did graduate and, and are currently uh, in the process of of uh, now seeking employment. 
and their plans were disrupted. Maybe their internships were rescinded or were job offers and, um, you know, didn't pan out. I, I think the, the real key uh, piece of advice here is just how do you keep growing through it? You know, how do you keep pushing through the adversity to make yourself better? You know, did you throw in the towel and just, you know, just change uh, and, and pivot entirely? Or did you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to still keep trying to be the best version of myself. So I, I always encourage people to take the opportunity when, when plans change, see it as an opportunity um, rather than, you know, seeing it as a, as a terminal event that, um, you know, is just unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. And, and so it's a, it's a great way to say, how can I invest in myself? And so, and, and I think, um, that that's, and, you know, I, I've, I've talked with some employers that, that, you know, are on the, on the bandwagon of what did you do during that time? to um to better yourself did you do some additional courses did you get a certification what types of uh, learning and professional development did you take on were you attending conferences were you uh, presenting somewhere you know did you learn how to code <laughs> you know i mean uh, right, right. Did, did you teach yourself a new skill uh through coursera or udemy or or one of these platforms you know, so <clears throat> I think just being able to add that substance on the resume is extremely valuable when maybe the the um, traditional work experience is lacking. Yeah, or for kids that were in school, learning learning to learn on this to- in, with this totally new way of learning. And if you kept your grades up during a pivot from classroom to in person. That, that's a big winner, doing group projects online. That wasn't something people used to have to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, no, I love that. I love that. Um, so I want to pivot a little bit and ask you about LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's important for students to have, it, uh, have a profile? Um, mm-hmm. And how is what they put on their resume different from what they should include on their LinkedIn? Yeah, I love this uh, this question because I have a funny story behind it. About seven years ago, actually eight years ago, <laughs> when I started when I started teaching career decision making at at uh, the community college I was working at, I was fortunate enough to have some creative liberties on on my curriculum, and uh, I was able to incorporate certain activities that I thought would be beneficial for. Um, for career development for um, the students that I was working with. And one of the assignments that I incorporated in, maybe my second semester, I immediately recognized that, that it was important, was we, dev- we devoted an entire chapter on networking and the value of networking. And so it's so important to be able to have a tool um, to help facilitate that. And so I actually incorporated that into my curriculum as an assignment, um, seven or eight years ago. So I, yes, a hundred percent unequivocally, um, have gotten. You were my, early, early, a champion of this, of using <laughs> this at the college level. 
Exactly, exactly. And it's and it's cracking me up these days because I'm I'm seeing so many of the students that I used to teach now getting active on it. <laughs> so it's That's like funny. It is, it's just making me smile. And, uh, because yes, I mean, it, you know, it's one of these things that, uh, is hugely helpful. And so to answer the other question, just in terms of, you know, it, its value and, and how it, uh, the, you know, the purpose that it serves contrary to the resume is I always like to think about it you know, the resume is, is really the black and white. It communicates so much of the, what, the, when, the, where, the, how of, you know, you, what you've done, where you've done it, uh, what you've learned and where you've worked and all of those things, but it doesn't communicate why very, very good. In my opinion, I, I think, um, but, but the why of your work is, is so critical. It's, it's how you build these connections with people. It's how you, you know, can communicate on an emotional level and really attract opportunities to you. Um, when people know that you have passion and you have energy and, and, um, you're very, very dedicated to what you do. And, and it's hard to communicate that when, when you have to really stick with those logistical things. Within the confines of one page, right? Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you're, you're limited in length there too. So, so the LinkedIn provides you an ample opportunity, um, in giving you a lot of real estate to communicate that why, and you can do that. My favorite part is that you have so much more room to play with there. Right, right. Your headline, your bio, um, you know, these are, are really great. Your, your banner, <laughs> all of these, these places, they're really, really great ways to, to showcase personality and showcase, um, more of the gray, uh, to that black and white. And so I, I love it. And I, I think when I get students sold on it, they're really sold on it. They're like, okay, now, now you got me sold. All right. I, I see the value of it because not only does it allow me to showcase my personality, it allows me to find people really, really easily that are just like me. And so, um, when I, when I show them those demonstrations of how it works and, and how quickly you can, you can get to where you need to, they're like, okay, I'm on it. <laughs> So, all right, well, you brought up the banner and the headline. So I'd love to get your take on what should people, what should, you know, 21-year-olds put on their banners um, and their headlines? Do they put, you know, business student at blah, 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 university? You know, they can't put operations specialist. What what would you, Yeah. what are some ideas for, for them? I think it's, it's an opportunity to really, really think of and, and really start the process of outlining what your personal brand is going to be. And um, I, I kind of like the, to think about your personal brand um, like your, um, you know, like a company brand in, in the sense that you have a message that you want to convey about the value that you add to others uh, or organizations. And it's a really, really great way to be able to do that in a creative way. And so, um, so I think, you know, using a, a great platform like Canva, uh, because they have those, uh, those templates available to create a, a nice LinkedIn banner is a really great, really great way to, th- to think about how you want to portray that. So I have a, um, 
a client that I worked with who is um, a graphic designer. So naturally, it made the most sense to incorporate her own work uh, into her banner. Um, I have another one that uh, was pursuing opportunities in copywriting. And so for her, um, she really took a great quote that uh, was significant to to her and uh, the, the, the type of impact that she wanted to make through her writing um, and used that um, with uh, some really, really great creative elements that she was able to find in, in Canva. Um, so I, I think any of those opportunities um, to really showcase those types of things are fantastic. And then, you know, and then, yeah, I think the last thing on there is just look at what other people are doing, other people in your industry and, and draw uh, ideas from them. Obviously don't copy, but, (laughs) but um, really think about um, how you can communicate that message in your own unique way. So I'm, I'm, for example, I'm a symbolism guy. Um, I, I really, I speak in metaphor a lot. I think about things in terms of, of, um, you know, how to make it easily relatable. And so, uh, for me, I, I'm a, um, you know, I'm like a GPS, you know, it's, it's incorporated into my, um, you know, the, the whole road trip metaphor mm-hmm. uh, It's incorporated into a lot of what I do. It's on my banner. Um, because I like to think about myself as a guide, as somebody helping to guide the next generation into their journey ahead. And so that's an easily, it's just, it makes it easy to to be able to see the connection in terms of what I do. I love that. Um, I have seen some kids that have seen, it depends on the university, but if they go to a school with a huge alumni, super strong, passionate alumni base where they had a symbol in their banner that reflects their alma mater, Mm -hmm. it has really worked great for uh, setting those informational interviews. Yes. Yes. 100%. I totally agree. Um, What about their headline? Because you want to think about keywords um, and their role. Yeah, yeah. The the headline is another really, really important thing because, you know, again, this is, as you pointed out, keywords, this is how people are going to find you. So you have to be very, very thoughtful about how do you want that message being portrayed? Uh, What do you want to be known for? The types of roles that you're seeking, um, because obviously that's going to make it easier to connect the dots between the, you know, those opportunities and, and what you can deliver. But you know, again, because I like to cover the entire color spectrum, <laughs> I want to make sure that people incorporate the the black and the white and the gray. And so I think it's so important to be able to, to, um, to really do both. So, you know, have those, have those keywords, have um, the, the roles that you're targeting, the specific skills that you offer um, to make it easily uh, accessible for uh, for recruiters and uh, and employers to be able to find you, but also on the flip side, tell them what they would have to dig a little bit more to find in terms of what you can offer and your impact, right? Because that's not those aren't necessarily embedded into keywords. So, um, you know what what are those intangibles that that maybe you can offer? And I know that you're limited. That sounds like a lot because you're still limited in characters. But at least they. <laughs> 120 characters used to be just 120. That was a tall order, but now it's a little easier. Right. But you do still have enough. You have enough um, to be able to work with, to be able to, to get all of those things in there. So uh, I, I 
I've seen people get get quite creative with um, yeah. maybe a maybe a quote, uh, maybe a mission statement. I think is a great thing. So really think about who, that. yeah, who you serve and and why, um, and and you can lead with that. You know, um, I love Simon Sinek's "Start with Why." So um, you know, you can lead with that. It, it's really catchy, but still incorporate the rest of of the uh, the keyword uh, criteria that are going to uh, suck people into what you can deliver. That's right. I love that. So a little bit of what, a couple of things that help them to find you and then a couple of things that tell you about them. Right. Them about you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Now their picture, you know, I've seen people put pictures of themselves with a graduation cap, um, <laughs> a tux, um, and then just a casual picture. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I really, really would encourage them to start thinking about themselves um, as a future colleague, as a professional. Um, the the cap and gown, I don't know. Um, I, it's not for me personally because Great. that's not the message that I would want an employer to see. Um, and it's not because it doesn't have any value at all. It's just because I just... I, I don't want any distractions. I would want them to really be able to kind of see um, see me stand on my own and and not say, okay, uh, I'm a college graduate first, right? Yeah. I think it just maybe sends sends a message about um, how you want to be uh, identified. Um, so I, I honestly just think, you know, really investing in a professional headshot uh, really goes a long way. Um, it says that you take yourself seriously and it... Um, it also has an opportunity for you to be able to present in a way that really, really can can reflect on you uh, in a very positive light. Um, and, you know, because you know, getting those professional headshots, they'll, they'll make you look good. <laughs> you know, you know. They so, will. They will. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was on some college tours recently where the university actually had a studio set up for LinkedIn headshots. I almost fell out of my chair. Yes. And and there's so many different, different apps and different tools that are available where you can take a professional headshot and then apply filters behind them, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that you can customize them a little bit and, and, and do all those things really through an app. And so there's, there's just so many opportunities to, to create a great, uh, great headshot. And it's not a huge investment, but it's well worth it. Well, yeah, I agree with that. No, excellent advice. Um, so what would you, can you, oh, let me back up. Can you name one or two tools that a student embarking on a job search absolutely must have to get started? Mm-hmm. Right. So in, in addition to, well, I'll, for the sake of, uh, tools, I'll just kind of use a little bit more of um, maybe technology tools um, because mm-hmm. I, I think those are, are, are good things. Um, the probably the, the, the two biggest things that come to my mind are there are really, really great opportunities for people free of charge that are accessible now to have your resume reviewed. Yeah. To have your resume reviewed um, in terms of uh, ATS compatibility, um, you know, just to make sure that you're doing it right. Um, so, um, resi match, job scan, 
skill sinker. Um, and a lot of them are platforms that uh, university career services are using um, that are exclusive to those, um, those colleges and universities. And uh, when I was working in Eastern Michigan, we had a platform called Quincia, um, which would um, help students um, by looking at um, their resume and providing um, uh, some feedback in, in, in terms of how it was structured um, you know, any grammatical errors, uh, formatting, all of these different types of things that, that can impact um, its readability. And um, those are, you know, easily accessible. So you could you certainly um, access your career services office to see what kind of platforms they're using for that. But also you have assistance by the, by the career staff too that are, that are doing that. So any of those opportunities just to make sure that your, your resume is in tip-top shape and, and using those, those tools is huge. The second one just goes back to what we were talking about before. I think LinkedIn is single-handedly um, the biggest tool that young people are not using. Uh, yeah. when, I, when, I, when I'm talking with a student, with a recent graduate, or, or if a client's um, coming to me for, for services and I start talking about LinkedIn, I'd probably say 70% of the time they look at me with a glazed over look. They don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and and it's fascinating to me that they've heard of it, but they still don't, you know, they just have not connected the dots about how important it is. So LinkedIn is is just your, your one-stop shop. I mean, you can accomplish so much. You can connect with alumni, you can network, you can conduct informational interviews, you can um, find companies to follow that that are, are meaningful um, that you're inspired by, uh, you know, it, it, you can post your own content. Um, you can uh, put together almost a, a digital portfolio. You have all of these different it's opportunities in one place. It's in one of the only places that allows for research, networking, and publishing. Um, but I guess that it's not as much fun as some of the other tools. <laughs> so. Right. right. Yeah, it's it's sometimes it's a little bit of a harder sell, but once they understand yeah. now that it actually has some practical application, um, yeah, it's it's not not too hard to get sold on it. <laughs> yeah, no, agree. Um, so, Brad, you have a podcast going on, your business, your job. Tell me what is next for you now that we are headed into twenty twenty two. Sure. Yeah. So I just started my new role um, where I am um, helping to support recent high school graduates, the class of 2022, and their um, post-high school adventures. And uh, this role is really exciting for me because it is brand new. And I'm literally getting to create and use my creativity and think about how to uh, reach students and have an impact and help them work through challenges and you know, I get to uh, I get to really take in and leverage so many of the different experiences that I've had working in mental health, working in education, working in career services. That I get to sort of fuse all three and 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 um, serve this next generation, and and not just make sure that they do work that's really fulfilling and really exciting, but also help the employers. Um, you know, address their own skill gaps, um, which yeah. is, which is very important too. So I'm excited about that. Um, in terms of, uh, my business, I, I have some things that I'm really, really excited about putting together in terms of, um, building some of my own, 
uh, content that I'm looking forward to doing uh, this upcoming year because I'm going to have some time to be able to do it. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to start working on a little bit of my own content library. Um, and then in addition, um, yeah, the, the, uh, your career GPS podcast, uh, we're entering into our second year and, um, we have some, uh, fantastic, fantastic episodes and, and guests lined up and it's going to be a really exciting year for that too. Well, I'm so excited. You've you had some great guests on your podcast. Um, in terms of people wanting to connect with you, I've listed your LinkedIn, your uh, Meant to Be Career website, and then also the link to the Career GPS podcast. Are those the three best places for people to keep tabs on you and if they want to reach out and learn more? Yeah, absolutely. Those um, those three places are certainly the best Um where you're going to find me uh, more often than not. I am on Instagram a little bit um, at meant to be career. And then uh, anyone can email me directly um, meant to be career at gmail.com. Uh, the mint is spelled M I N T. It's a play off the last name. <laughs> so. Love that. Okay. Um, well, Brad, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Sorry about the audio glitches. You were wonderful. Um, but I learned a lot and I think that, um, I know that people that have the ear of young people will be eager to share this with them. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was my absolute pleasure. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online CM hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.